Do we have to do this today? Or could we wait and come back next week? No, I know you. If we wait until next weekend, it'll be like six months before I even get you this far again. Okay. Let's go in. Fine. What are you waiting for? I just, I hate the way they stand there and wait for you to come in. Yes, and the big handshake and they greet you like they've known you forever. We've saved a seat for you. How long have you been looking? Where else have you gone? We've got something special for the kitties today. We're going to give them lots of candy and things that make a joyous noise. You know, I liked the guy we had a few weeks ago. What guy? I don't remember. The guy with the jeans. Oh, and all the tattoos? No! Oh, come on, I felt oh. a connection with him. It, just, it felt like he knew exactly why I was there. That guy went on forever. I thought he would never finish. See, so, yeah, I was okay with him. Until he got to the part about the money. I mean, it's always about the money. Honey, honey. We are not alone. Right. Sorry. That's why we're here. Alright, let's try one more time. Let's do it for the kids. For the kids. We're here now anyway, so we may as well go in for our free cup of coffee. Stan Falls, welcome to you this morning. It's good to be here. Are you feeling alive? Are you feeling awake? Good, because we're back in Revelation. I thought I would uh, put that in to help us. Uh, well, it fits in a little, and you'll see how it fits in uh, in a short while. We have been uh, looking at the letters in Revelation. If you need a Bible, by the way, put your hand up. It's good to have Phil back. Welcome back, Phil. Phil will hand you a Bible. And uh, we're in Revelation chapter 3, if you want to head that way. If you do happen to have a church Bible, that's on page number 1,235. If you don't have a church Bible, it'll be somewhere near the back. Okay. What have we done in the series so far? Well, we have been working around the letters that are found from Jesus to the churches, the seven churches that we see there on the map. Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon, and Thyatira. And today we are on Sardis. There you go, in yellow there. You might notice on the map, it's in a circle. We're going geographically round. I don't know why that is. Maybe somebody that's more learned could explain that to me. But we are number five out of seven. Next week will be Philadelphia and then Laodicea. And we will complete our series. How have you found it? Have you found it challenging? Have you found it revealing? Interestingly, the word revelation, the Greeks uh, used the word apocalypsis, which is where we get our word apocalypse from. But apocalypse doesn't necessarily mean what you might think it means, or apocalypsis. The uh, friends over at uh, Hollywood have rather changed the, the meaning a little bit. It simply means to reveal or to uncover, which is, guess why we call it revelation, to reveal. And I think these letters particularly are revealing one or two wonderful things, and they are great things to learn about. And not least today, as we turn 
uh, to the letter to Sardis in Revelation chapter 3. Okay. Before we actually turn to the word, let's um, have a very quick look at what Sardis was. What do we know about it? Well, firstly, the Greeks considered it the greatest of all cities. It was the capital of the Lydian Empire or kingdom. Uh, that included the whole area, all of these letters. That was, this was the capital city, the main one out of these seven. It was established around 1200 BC, and it was a major commercial city at the junction of five roads. So there was a lot of trade going on. It was built on a hill. It was well fortified. It had strong perpendicular walls that were considered very strong. But it was often too confident about its strength. In fact, so confident that it lost two battles when the enemy caught them unawares. And we're going to touch on that uh, in a little while. Although it was once perhaps a great city, it was a failed city that still thought it was strong. Actually, if you go there today, it looks a bit like that. It's no longer called Sardis, it's called Sard, and it's a small village, no longer the great capital that it once was. Let's turn to the word, shall we? Revelation chapter 3, starting at verse 1. To the angel of the church in Sardis write, These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds. You have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to die, for I have found your deeds unfinished in the sight of my God. Remember, therefore, what you have received and heard. Hold it fast and repent. But if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will not know what time I will come to you. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me dressed in white, for they are worthy. Those who are victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will never blot out their names from the book of life, but will acknowledge them and their names before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. What do you look for in a church? Have you ever had to change church if you perhaps had to move into an area and had to uh, try and work out, well, where should we go? Perhaps when you're on holiday, you think, well, it'd be good to go to church when you're away, and you look around, and you're looking for a church that you'll feel comfortable with. Maybe you're looking for a church which uh, has good worship, big congregation, lots of noise. Maybe you want the opposite. Maybe you're looking for a church where you think there's going to be some good teaching, a solid um, study of the word. How do you work out what the right place is for you? Well, I guess in today's society, in these modern times, you might look at the website. You might uh, see what sort of things are going on. You might see whether or not there's an alpha course running. What sort of discipleship training is going on? What's there for the children? Well, 
I'm telling you today that if the church of Sardis existed now, it would have had an excellent website. In fact, you'd have been very impressed with its credentials, its history, and what it thought of itself. You could perhaps be mistaken for thinking you were on the wrong website if you'd had sight of this letter. The website is speaking of life. The letter speaks of a dead church. Can this be the same place, you would ask? But this is a case of appearance versus reality. And men's evaluation is not the same as God's. They were dead, but they didn't even know it. A little bit like Samson in the Old Testament when he'd lost his strength but didn't realize. They'd lost their strength but still thought they were strong. This letter from Jesus to the church at Sardis would have been quite a wake-up call. They'd been busy doing church for a long time. They'd got so wrapped up in the activities of church, they hadn't noticed that actually they were dying. This, of course, can be so true of us today, and churches up and down this land, on the face of it, they might look really exciting, engaged places to be, but in reality, Jesus has left the building. The Spirit is no longer the strength within the church. It's interesting to note that this particular letter, in comparison to the ones we've looked at over the last few weeks, doesn't actually offer any good word. Thyatira's letter talks about their love and their faith. Pergamum, that church is credited with remaining true. With Sardis, you are dead. It's pretty blunt, really, isn't it? So was this church suffering any external persecution, like the churches of Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamon? It's interesting, of the four of these churches, the Christians at Smyrna were suffering the most on account of the faith, yet they yielded fruit for Christ. How do we account for the differences between Smyrna and Sardis? Seems to be no evidence in an era of growing Roman persecution that the church of Sardis experienced either theological, controversial, or persecution. Controversy or persecution. In fact, the body of the letter to Sardis seems to indicate that the church has almost completely compromised itself with the pagan culture that it sits within. As a result, this economical approach to the church at Sardis, to the pagan religions around it, meant that this once busy, fruitful church was compromising itself almost to death. Note that the church of Sardis did not necessarily, the death of Sardis did not necessarily come from a lack of youth activities, outreach programs, which is perhaps the reason you might consider a church to be dead today. It seems that the church at Sardis lacked the depth of meaning for what it was doing. It had lost its strength. Sardis was non-controversial. It had become secularized. Its fundamental worldview had become the same as the surrounding pagan culture. 
similar to what Paul wrote to the Ephesians in Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgression and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. Therefore, the fact that there was no persecution is no surprise. Satan must have been pretty happy with Sardis and its lack of progress. So happy not to bother with adding any persecution or suffering. So, what about us today? I thought I ought to check we're alive. Are you alive? It's important to understand what the signs of life are. In a way, I've created a little guide for you. What to look for in a new church. By the way, this isn't an invitation to go looking for a new church. What are the signs of life? Well, number one, there's growth. That doesn't just mean numerical growth, but other types of growth. Growth within the life of the church family. Growth in faith through service. Growth in the witness for Christ. Growth in stewardship of time and money. It's a growth in understanding what our priorities are. It's a growth in just our faith growing because of what we're doing in him. Not just numbers. So number one, we need to look for growth. Secondly, we need to look for compassion. There should be compassion and love for each other. But not just that, there should be a love for the lost. Where is the heart of the church? What do we actually feel? What do we want to do when it comes to those outside of our doors who are lost? After growth and compassion, I'd add unity. The opposite of unity, division. A sign of decay and death. And then an odd one at the end. Emotion. There has to be emotion. Don't be afraid to feel your faith. Only the dead have no tears. Only the dead have no laughter. Only the dead no music or no sorrow. The signs of a dead church, everything goes back to the past. When a church lives in its past, its reputation and its history, that church is dead. When a church is more concerned with the heritage and ritual, that church is dead. When a church is more concerned about activities than glorifying God through those activities, it's dead. When a church loves the system more than Jesus or more than the people, It's dead. When it's more material than spiritual, it's dead. And to put it bluntly, a church is either growing or it's dying. And if a church is dead, its people are dead. Because we are the church. We are the instruments that God uses Many people feel that just turning up on a Sunday 
They've paid their dues to God. But not according to Jesus. Those works are not perfected before God. We must do more than simply give in lip service to the things of God. Here at Sardis was a church that went through the motions, did all the right things, had a wonderful website and an excellent reputation. But it was dead. Just for a minute, and I hope this is an imaginary thing, imagine you're in a dead church. Sardis looked such a good place to live, to worship, to grow. So much happening for it. And you've discovered... It's dead. What can be done about it? What is the remedy? Well, Jesus gives us a remedy in the letter. Verses 2 and 3. Firstly, he says this. Be watchful. We talked earlier about Sardis and its defenses and those perpendicular walls. Sardis fell twice through carelessness. Yes, they had strong walls. Yes, they were built on an excellent foundation of a hill. But they forgot to post a guard. They were that confident in their structures that they forgot to keep watch. The enemies conquered the city. They climbed up the perpendicular walls that sat on the top and got in through a weakness in their defense system. Carelessness doomed Sardis. And carelessness dooms many churches. The things of God must never be taken for granted. You ever notice that um, we never drift anywhere worth going? We always drift away from God, drift into sin and rebellion. You've not heard the parable about the person that drifts into obedience and Christ-likeness. It doesn't happen. We need to be watchful. Secondly, we need to strengthen. Strengthen the things which remain, says Jesus. What remains, though? Well, I guess at Sardis there would have been some praying, some preaching, some teaching, some witnessing maybe. But it needed strengthening. Don't abandon those things, he says, but strengthen them. How do we strengthen them? Well, firstly, I'd say this. We need to put meaning into them. Just because some pray without commitment to God doesn't mean we should abandon prayer. No, it's happening, but we need to strengthen it. But we need to put meaning into the prayer. We need to put life into the things that we do. Back into Ephesians and on to chapter 3. Paul's words here. Sorry, chapter 5. Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. How do we understand what the Lord's will is? Through good prayer and preaching and teaching, and we need to strengthen it. Thirdly, a remnant. There was a glimmer of hope, even for Sardis, among the ungodly and the disinterested, a remnant of righteous people 
remained faithful. And Jesus was pleased. Though the church was dead and there was no remedy perhaps, Jesus had a few he could count on. We can find ourselves faithful amongst the faithless, sincere amongst hypocrites, humble amongst the proud. But even if we live or work in an ungodly place where it's difficult to be a Christian, God will keep us. We need to be true disciples. Jesus, when he was discipling his disciples, spoke to them, and it's recorded in the book of Matthew in chapter 7, about what true and false disciples were. Let me read to you. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I will never, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. Christians at Sardis were denying Christ as they worked for the praise and acceptance of men rather than God. At the last judgment day, they would surely hear the words, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. As a church today, we need to clearly and carefully heed the words of our Saviour to the church at Sardis. The spiritual dead need to stop playing church and heed the warning. The indifferent believer needs to wake up before it's too late. And the faithful few can take comfort in knowing that their salvation is secure. Where are we? How alive are you feeling this morning? Where do you feel you are? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we may struggle sometimes with the words in Revelation, but sometimes what is written in a few verses can be plainly obvious to us. And even to us can be a wake-up call for our own personal relationship with you. Lord, we are thankful for what you reveal to us through your word. We are thankful for your messages, thankful for your messages to these churches, and thankful, therefore, for your message to us. Lord, help us to understand your will. Help us to strengthen what we do. Help us to really grasp what it is that we should be doing on a daily basis as we walk in step with you. Lord, we long for those, perhaps on the outside, who don't know you, to come to know you. Our heart is for this community. But Lord, we can say those words, but Lord, I just pray that you really put that on our hearts. That we will really grasp what your will is for our community. 
And that through that and through what you put in our way, what you get us to do, what you allow us to do in your service, our faith in you will grow. Strengthen us, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.